0: Hello, my name is Jillian.
1: My name is Yolanda. And welcome to
0: The Pemberley Pemberley Podcast. We're very excited for this week's episode because we had a very special guest on.
1: This has been something that's been in the works for a little while now, so we're so excited to be able to share this with all of you
0: yes we had the very talented the very charismatic the very handsome brendan bradley on this show and we just pumped him for information on starring in the pemberley digital universe and especially with his film non-transferable it just came out starring ashley clements our very own lizzie bennett
1: The premise for Non-Transferable stuck with reservations in her ex-boyfriend's name. Amy Tyler decides if she can't change the tickets, why not change the guy? And so two strangers pack their bags for a whirlwind adventure across three continents to find out if love can be transferred to someone new. I like to think it can. (laughs) Especially since the lead is Brendan Bradley. Who doesn't love that guy? (laughs) If you have not yet watched this movie, you definitely should watch it. It's the rom-com that we've all been waiting for.
0: Oh yeah, with all of your favorite Pemberley Digital characters. There is several uh alum in this movie.
1: And you can find this movie on Amazon at amazon.nontransferablefilm.com. We hope you enjoy this interview.
0: Hello everyone. Um today we have a very exciting guest on our podcast. He was the star of Jeff and Robbie Fail History, Squatters, Hipsterhood, School of Thrones, Frankenstein, M.D., and was the writer, director, and star of movie Non-Transferable. Please welcome, Brendan Bradley! Woo! Gosh,
2: look at the studio audience, oh you God. guys. We've upgraded. amazing, wow.
0: My kitchen right over exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about how your career began. Everyone sort of comes to L.A. from somewhere. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the beginning?
2: That's crazy. The beginning is still going to sound a little bit like the middle. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina, um, and I went to NYU um, Hmm. to study acting. And so that got me to New York City. And then while I was there, I studied in London for a little bit. (laughs) And then I came back to New York and started being a theater actor and had no aspirations to move to LA. I was like, no way. Oh, I'm from the theater. I would (laughs) never. Um, And while I was in New York, I began doing a lot of um, regional theater, but also producing small independent black box theater. Mm -hmm. And we started experimenting with making essentially trailers for plays where we'd record little pieces. And then we'd host them on our own terrible – HTML website um, and embed like videos that oh, half the time wouldn't play. Uh, this is all pre YouTube. Right. And we started noticing that we got more views on the videos mm-hmm. than we were getting. Audience in the play every night because we were in these small theaters that could only hold like ninety people, right? And then we'd get like a couple hundred views on the internet, and we'd be like, "Well, there's more people out there than are coming in here. Yeah. That's interesting." And then the writer strike happened, and <gasps> was when the that like
0: two thousand eight, it
2: was 2007 okay. and the writer strike happened at the same time that there was a Broadway stagehand strike.
1: Ooh, yes, there yes. that. Yes, yeah.
2: so. Broadway went darkish. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, there was no film and television really happening, yeah. and so the entertainment industry on both coasts kind of shut down yeah. to a degree. Um, and right around this time, I was thinking about trying L.A. out, um, and I was auditioning all the time. And I booked a short film called September Twelfth, okay. uh, where I pretended that I lived here, but that I was visiting the East Coast, oh, okay. and I skyped with the director. And they were like, well, when you come back to L.A., mm-hmm. let us know. And if your schedule mm-hmm. works out, we'd love to have you in the film. And my dad and I got in a car and we drove cross-country. Uh, and three days later, I moved to L.A. Wow. Oh my God. And so I got to L.A., I filmed this film. And then I realized, oh, I don't know anyone in Los Angeles. I just moved to a new city. Right. And so I started trying to find a community to fall in with. Mm -hmm. And that community happened to be um, the early, early web community during the strike um, would Mm -hmm. all meet at a bar every Tuesday night. And it was hosted by these guys that were creating a blog called TubeFilter. It was this weird little thing. Like, who knows, really? Like, it's not a real thing. and they would do these meetups and you'd get about 50 of the same people that would meet together all the time and mm-hmm. trade equipment, trade resources, mm-hmm. ideas, each other's apartments. Mm-hmm. And the idea was really it, it was the stand up mic or the black box theater of Hollywood where it was young yeah. talent experimenting with new stuff, telling new stories and sharing resources and ideas and collabing with each other. And this was all as YouTube was starting to kind of build. There was no money in it. You know, Mm -hmm. no money had entered the space at all. Mm -hmm. And so you got to be involved in these really random, weird projects that I'm sure we now all regret. And I can totally (laughs) tell you guys some stories. Because Pemberley especially, Bernie Sue, has been private in some videos for a long (laughs) time. Um, Which, it's not like there's anything scandalous in them. It's just that the quality... Like, if you look at... So my first series that I dove into, I made a bunch of commercials for YouTube early on, like pre-roll videos. um, Back when brands were just... Looking for random kids to make videos rather than hiring ad agencies. Mm -hmm. And so I sold a bunch of these spots to different companies, and that helped finance my first series, Squatters. Oh, great. Um, Which was, I'd basically written at the time a mini television show Mm -hmm. because the word web series wasn't even being used yet. And trying to explain that to anybody was impossible Mm -hmm. until they could see it. Um, And I basically did that because my agent told me we can't get you auditions for television because you've never been on a television show. Mm. <sighs> and, <course>. I, okay. <laughs> and I said, that sounds like a catch-22. It is. And that doesn't make any sense because clearly everyone who's on television right now at some point was not on television. Yes. So that's a lie. Um, <laughs> but, but that's how the industry works. It's it like, is. in New York, that was true for being a waiter. You needed two years waiting experience in order to yeah. wait tables in New York. What? So it's like, wait, but how do you get the two years... Expi- this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I created Squatter's... Basically to create an IMDb credit that Mm -hmm. I was the series regular of a television show. Mm -hmm. And it worked like gangbusters. The second I had squatters up on IMDb, I started getting television auditions. I booked my first television show. That started all happening. So Mm -hmm. it was a breakable system, which made it really exciting Mm -hmm. and rebellious at the time to be a part of this web community. Mm -hmm. As that community infused together, I started meeting all these people. And through squatters, I started Mm -hmm. getting to work with all these other great creators. And that's Mm -hmm. how I got into the YouTube thing.
0: Wow, yeah, we awesome. you were wondering how you sort of got into digital, because now you're on TV, you're the Staples guy. <laughs> it's true, it's true. That's
2: a whole other side of yeah. my world mm-hmm. and career, which is awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Do you, like, prefer working digital to television or film or anything?
2: I would say that, much like this long rant that I just gave you, <laughs> and I'm so sorry no, for that, which um, just kind of, like, yeah. got down the rabbit hole, the... I will always believe that the internet is the black box theater of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And what that means for me is it's a place where any artist can just tell their story, experiment Mm -hmm. with ideas. It's not being judged from a marketing perspective or a mainstream. You look at productions, for example, I think the public theater in New York has become really great at championing early ideas Mm -hmm. that now it's become almost a direct pipeline into Broadway Mm -hmm. uh, because almost everything now that opens there eventually makes its way. But early on, the idea was just to allow an environment for people to experiment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the internet truly provides is that anybody can say, I have this idea and they get instant feedback from an audience, you know, Mm. already like non-transferable is less than a week in the world. And we're already getting great response on not just, the movie itself, but how we're distributing it. Like how is Amazon working out? How is It working out? Like where is it available? Where is it not available? What mm-hmm. problems are people running into? Mm-hmm. Um, so that we can then know how to improve for the next project.
0: So let's talk a little bit about how you got involved in the Pemberley digital universe. Sure. Was Frankenstein the first show in that universe that you auditioned for? Uh, no. Okay.
2: So, um... To continue my abridged or not-so-abridged history of Brendan's (laughs) ridiculous life in art, that web community that was meeting up at bars and helping each other out, Mm -hmm. one of the people that was always showing up to that place was Bernie Sue. Oh, okay. And he was a young filmmaker, and he actually became known as the photographer guy because he would show up with a camera to everybody else's premieres and events. And because he was so smart about it, he was like, well, obviously we need to document this stuff. So nobody else okay. was thinking of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So you'd weave a red carpet or a screening of someone else's event, and mm-hmm. everyone would be like, when is Bernie going to upload the photos? <laughs> because no one had any photos. Oh my God. And so through that, he became this beloved character in that whole community and in okay. that space.
1: Yeah. And
2: so Woody Tondorf, who was a young creator as well, had a show called Elevator. That was for break and HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Elevator was basically the idea of what, from a security camera in an elevator, a whole thing happening. It had to happen in real time, one take, and he had this little four-walled set Mm -hmm. that people just rehearsed a quick script for like 10 minutes, went in a box, did it until they got a take all the way through, Mm -hmm. and left. So Bernie and him partnered up, um, and a a guy named Derek Hausman, partnered to do a show called Game Room, which was the same idea from a... Gaming console.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, there was at one point there was a I think it was called a Kinect or something where it it could watch you and it detected yeah, movement.
1: thing, isn't it? Y- well, it, it was, was similar. It, it was a
2: pre wii It was like yeah. A, yeah, it was in that ilk of They thought it was like new tech.
1: technology and then yes. like it didn't really catch So Bernie on. had this great
2: idea what if we did it all from a gaming console perspective and so mm-hmm. you start with someone playing a game because you have the mm-hmm. physical comedy of how ridiculous they look yeah. and then organically weave in these storylines that you could either watch one as a sketch or you could watch them all and get like a story of this relationship that was having troubles Mm -hmm. or these two best friends that were growing apart or so we had this really clever way of weaving those together so we did game room we did i think like 35 episodes of this show like i said it has all been removed from the internet (laughs) because
1: i think if if, if
2: you search for me and you type in game room brendan bradley in youtube you can sometimes find the now unlisted or private links but again, the quality is terrible. Like, I look right. back at Squatters and I'm like, it's in 720p. Like, <laughs> you know, non-transferable is in 4K. Like, right. the amount that technology has improved in such a short time is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was involved with Game Room. I was involved with The Guild, Legend of Neil, other big web franchises. And then, obviously, everyone I knew was doing this show called The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I did Jeff and Robbie Fails History for Subway and USC. Mm-hmm. That was with Julia Cho, who yeah. you guys interviewed. Mm-hmm. Julia Cho and I did a road trip to South by Southwest.
1: Okay. We oh. drove
2: in a car together yeah. to Austin. When we got to Austin, we I was texting with Bernie. We showed up at a bar where Bernie was. And I said, uh-huh. "Oh, you've got to meet my friend Julia." Oh, wow. And they chatted all night. And then, <laughs> you know, 6 months later, she was in The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. Oh, so, it was it that's how intimate this community was. Um mm. and so I did early on audition for uh, The Lizzie Bennett Diaries and okay. a lot of what for? Dip, I won't say <gasps> only only because I think it is I I really do value this um as a creator and and as an actor is there were so many wonderful, wonderful performances in that show, which is why that show... I think the show was a great idea. I think it was yeah. well executed. But truly, truly, that show lives and dies on the performances mm-hmm. and on the actors. Yeah. You're asking to have people who can do 60 pages of content a day yes. to shoot like 10 episodes in a single camera shot mm-hmm. and come in and out and have these high emotions. It's, it's yeah. incredible. Not everybody can do that. No. And so yeah. the fact that that cast so well represented each of those characters. I don't ever, ever want to put in the world comparisons of like, well, what if it was that it's... No, not yeah. at all. Like, they chose correctly, you know? And just to even be considered for that universe, I knew at the time I'm not right for this particular universe. Hmm. And so it was, it was interesting then to be considered for that I was con- I've basically been considered I've gone in for almost every Pemberley show that's
0: ever Oh wow, okay because
2: again I've been a part of this community for so yeah. long Right. so yeah. I've auditioned and been around for a lot of these different okay. projects yeah. right. um and you know sometimes it was on the end of I wasn't really right for the role and on other times like I remember when they were doing Sanditon maybe yes um I was actually shooting another pilot at the time okay. and okay. so, so I couldn't be a mm-hmm. part of that project. So it, you know, it really was timing and finding the right role. Which then, when Frankenstein came along, so Brett Register and Juan Harris yes. yeah. uh, basically wrote and direct- directed and produced um, most of Frankenstein.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they did a show called QVG, which is a QVC hmm. show for gaming
1: that mm-hmm. was for oh, Machinima, okay.
2: and we did like forty episodes of that, um, and it was just me selling weapons to the internet. <laughs> that nobody wants and it was very funny yeah. and very like high comedy um and someone died every episode because the gu- the mm-hmm. weapon ma- ma- malfunctioned
0: okay. um
2: so i had done that show with them so they were adamant they were like we can't do this without brendan like he Aww. has to be involved so they really championed me coming in for that show so i came in for pretty much every guy in that universe <sighs> okay once they found it Anna, it became so clear that I was the right counterpart for Eli. Okay,
0: that's um, good.
2: Which then I totally nerded out and like bought the book and because I hadn't read it since like eighth grade, sure, and like yeah. went through and took all these notes on Elizabeth and was like, okay, how could we? What is her storyline and how can I weave that in? And what are like subtle ticks and things that mm-hmm. I can do? And
0: that's cool. So, yeah. What um, did you read any of the books for the family? like? Because let's see, we've got Pride and Prejudice, right. Emma. Sanditon is like a posthumously published novel, so like no one's right, really read right. it, but like it's out there if you want it. And what else? Frankenstein, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you read any of those? Oh,
2: yeah. I've, I absolutely grew up reading all of those books. Okay. Those are all instant classics.
0: Yeah, no, they were great. We have a question for Twitter regarding, or from Twitter. Hi, Twitter. Yeah, well, so this is from the Brianna Young. Ooh, and the Brianna Not just any Brianna Young. She,
2: this is the Brianna, Brianna Young. Young.
0: Very I'm very one. honored. We have really cool fans. So uh, she wants to know, what is your favorite memory from Frankenstein, MD? Wow. So think back a couple of years. Exactly.
2: Well, I think the easiest thing for me to jump into is walking onto that set. We shot at the YouTube space, which I've shot at many times, and that space just continues to transform mm-hmm. and be such a great resource for the community. But- Again, when it comes to things like Pemberley, when it comes to my own projects, we spent five years shooting in people's apartments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like like this setup right now. Like this is what web series are. Mm -hmm. So to walk into a soundstage with a fully dressed laboratory that has... (laughs) There's stuff on those shelves that never gets touched or addressed that is like perfect detail. And to be able to walk into a space that is... Basically the, the a full full production value, a full studio set um, for a digital project. That's that's a level of professionalism and a, and that amount of excitement. Remember on Jeff and Robbie we did one day on a sound stage and where we shot all their apartment stuff. And I was behind this is so lame, but I'm behind like, you know, a fake door where you can see the exposed set behind. Okay.
0: Was this the post apocalyptic yes. scene? Yeah. Yes.
2: And I have to keep entering this room. And I sat back there on the last take and I cried because I was like, I've never been on oh, like a soundstage before. Like yeah. I moved to L.A. and I've been in people's living rooms. I've mm. been in parks. I've been on street corners. But I've <laughs> never been in a soundstage. And this is this is the dream. This is the dream. And so getting to do that on Frankenstein MD was absolutely
0: Math. Probably just, just a magical a, just moment. Just being on a legit
2: yeah. set. Yeah, you just feel like it, that's that's the that's Hollywood. You know, yeah. like I'm on the studio lot. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm on a stage, and there's lights, and there's crew, and you know.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. All right, let's dive into non-transferable. Let's do it. The reason yes. we're all here. Yeah.
2: All right,
1: so yeah. we both watched it, loved the movie. it's, like it's So adorable. It's such an adorable story. Uh, it's, like, very rom com It follows, like, a lot of that storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like writing rom-coms, or is there another genre you, like, more steer toward writing?
2: I write everything.
1: Everything, uh, okay. Literally
2: everything. For example, Squatters is just kind of a blue, gritty comedy. Mm-hmm. I did VGR, which is a very gamer, uh, Comedy Central-style rough-and-tumble comedy. I have in my possession what I call my Oscar baby script, which is, like, a, a Vietnam medical drama, which is, like, a oh. real-life... ...story that I, I have the life rights for. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I'm
1: completely... Oh, am I'm, Exactly.
2: I'm, I'm completely scattered as a writer. But this particular script came out of... I needed a spec script, because everyone always asks mm-hmm. for one. Right. Um, and I had a bunch of episodic stuff. Like I'd written spec scripts for television shows, but mm-hmm. I'd never written a feature. Um, so about six or seven years ago now, I had an idea for a romantic comedy... That I thought this will be so fluffy and approachable and enjoyable. Like mm-hmm. it won't be, there won't be any cursing in it. There won't be any risks in it. You know, people will be able to actually read this thing front to back without me challenging or offending anybody, which I cannot say of all of my previous content. Because, okay. <laughs> um, you know, you get hired to write what you write and people yeah. always want, especially over the last, I think, five years, we've seen a lot of edge. Mm-hmm. You know, bridesmaids really made people embrace we want raunch. We want edge. We really want to push the limits of comedy. Yeah. Which I think is great. And we're living in a time now where everything is about disruption, mm-hmm. you know, especially with social media. And so my counter to that was to have something a little safer, a little more polite, and a little more approachable um, so that people weren't judging the content. They were judging the writing. So my roommate at the time had, went, had gone to Italy with his girlfriend. And while they were in Italy, they got in a massive fight. Oh, my God. And she drove off in the car and left him and said, I'll be at the pizza place.
1: (laughs) In Italy. And he
2: said, we're in Italy. I
1: don't know (laughs) where that is.
2: And he took like a day to find her.
1: Oh, my God. He like
2: had to go all over this town in Italy to find, quote unquote, the pizza place. Because
1: if you're mad, that's what you're going to (laughs) say. Exactly.
2: So from this, I was like, what a hilarious. That is such a hilarious scene that should be in a movie. Um, and I immediately whiffed it, and you can see it in the original, yes. f- in, in non-transferable now. Because, and from yes. there, I said, but wait, why would a couple be fighting on this trip? Mm-hmm. And then I said, what if two strangers were going on a trip and didn't get along, because that's the device of a rom-com. I said, so wait, why would two strangers be on a trip together that doesn't make any sense. And at first I was like, they happen to be going the same place and it was like super contrived sure. and really bad. Yeah.
0: That's like French kiss, kind of. Yes, yes, except
2: for they're inextricably tied together because she has the vine or he thinks yeah. she has the vine. Yeah. So then I was I, I came across this idea of, okay, well, what if she, what if someone was giving away a trip? And so I started with me being, because I often write for me, mm-hmm. me being the Amy character. Okay. And needing to find a girl to go on a trip with me Mm -hmm. to redeem these tickets. And then I was like, no woman on the internet (laughs) is going to respond to a dude who's like, hey, I've got this extra ticket. Want to come with me? (laughs) And so I was like, all right, we got to gender swap this. And so I made the Amy character female and I made the Josh character male. And I wrote it. I had a lot of feedback. It was part of this, uh, I won't say where, but there there was a studio that was very interested and involved for a while. And it kind of got to the legal part mm-hmm. where they have to actually start running like background checks on. Okay. Did you steal this and what is yeah. this? Did and you steal something? So no. What happened?
0: <laughs> is, but I murdered boy? But <laughs> there
2: is that that terrible past uh, that criminal record in New Jersey always catches up with you. Um, what happens in Florida does not stay in Florida. Um, I it, people said it was too unrealistic. That it would Mm -hmm. never happen in real life.
1: Okay. They were like, ah, this
2: isn't a thing. Like, it's too contrived. Audiences won't buy it. And so I was like, okay. And I kind of went my separate way and the script sat on my hard drive and Mm -hmm. collected dust. And it was a spec script. Anytime someone wanted a writing sample, I'd say, here you go. Mm -hmm. So then two years, three years ago now on BuzzFeed, a guy in Canada gets broken Mm -hmm. up with. He writes, "Hey, if your name's Elizabeth Gallagher, I've got a vacation for you." So
0: there was an actual and there guy was an actual guy, and an actual guy. With an woman. Actual tri- who exactly.
2: <laughs> so then that story went viral, and from there, everybody who had read the script previously started right. calling me and saying, "Do you still have that script?" Whoa. And so that gave the project new life.
0: That's awesome. That's weird. So like,
2: so that's how I wrote it. You
0: could still be sitting on that if like. Do you think you'd still be sitting on that script if the um, viral story hadn't happened? I don't know.
2: Like I, I in 2015 in February around this time, mm-hmm. two years ago, I really wanted to do something.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I needed to do something. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys watched the live stream or not. No, I know, I and see. I know it was a little glitchy. Yeah. Um, but I gave a speech at the at kind of announcing and counting down and releasing the movie, uh, where I explained that two years ago this time. I was in Cleveland shooting this really big movie. It was like the biggest movie I've ever been cast in. Lots of like, A-list actors. Can you not huge say deal. what it is? So it was a Bruce Willis movie with Ellen Burstyn and Serbane Kingsley called Wake.
0: Ooh, um, wow.
2: I was a very prominent role in it. Had a lot of great scenes. And two weeks into filming, the financing fell through. And they um, pulled the plug on the whole project. Through the hearts. <laughs> yep. And I was like... Oh, this is. I finally made it, and they oh, took no. it away from me. Oh, no. And so we all came back to Los Angeles, kind of dejected. It was so funny. I, I rode the the plane home with Ellen Burstyn, and um, we had a great conversation. Yeah. But in it, she's going like, "I'm just so confused. This has never happened before." And I'm like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, course. no. Of course it hasn't happened before. This is absurd. It happened um, to me. It happened to me um, on my first big movie, oh. Ellen." Um, so I came back, and they started shopping around pieces of that movie that we had shot okay, to try okay. to get financing to try to pick it back up again. So you yeah.
0: filmed some of it already? Yeah, we, we.
2: Well, no, not on no, no, deferrable. No, no, no. This oh, is wait, the wake the movie. Right, right. Well, from this, and again, I'm so I'm telling so many long stories. No, like you reader, you guys, you, if you guys realize you can push a little button that'll speed <laughs> me up, uh, you can hear me like twice as fast, so I can get through all the boring parts. Be like, but I learned how to. They started pitching around uh, Wake by cutting up little scenes that we Mm -hmm. had shot. And I was like, wait, you can pitch and sell half of a movie or a part (laughs) of a movie? I thought you had to have a whole movie. Mm -hmm. Well, I can make part of a movie. I've made web series. I've made mini television shows. I've made sketches. I can make, quote unquote, content that we can shop to do the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Why don't I make something and then use that to get more of something made? Right. And so I started looking at what I had already written and other ideas that I'd been kind of picking at. But because of all the viral stuff going on with this one, I thought, well, this is the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. Again, it's non-offensive in any way. It's a very approachable, lovely little love story. So why not make a little piece of this and pitch it around to companies Mm -hmm. to finance and produce the rest of it?
0: So did you film like the first 20 minutes in San Francisco?
2: So we filmed the first 20 minutes and the last 10 minutes. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, in Los Angeles and then we did a day in San Francisco yeah. to do all that which is a trick I learned in Squatters because we shot the whole show here and then we did a day in New York right, to shoot all, all the video. New York stuff. Got it. Um so that's how we got but the girls are in front of the bridge mm-hmm. for that beautiful scene in yeah. the park. Um you can't fake you can stuff you. like that. You can't
1: cheat that. Um,
2: so that's what like find something stupid beautiful, put the actors <laughs> in front of it and film. Um so we we, we basically made the first 20 minutes and the last 10 minutes, cut it together, and I started reaching out to tourism boards. And several were interested, but Turkey had the most diverse landmarks and resources. Like, we could basically go from a beach to a city to mountains. It really made it look like a full trip. Yeah. And then they also have a national airline. So Turkish Airlines is actually a government entity.
0: so no wonder it's so nice right so (laughs) so
2: the ministry can call up and say hey you have to fly these people and they go okay great here's the tickets versus any other you know if it's american airlines you know the american tourism board can be as excited as they want to be i still need to negotiate with the ceo of american airlines about getting free tickets Mm -hmm. it's a whole separate thing yeah so this enabled us to basically with one overseer with one phone call be able to activate the entire trip Hotels, wow. meals, equipment, crew, ground transportation,
0: mm-hmm. everything. So Turkey didn't happen until they presented themselves as the most accommodating like, country to travel to. Yes. What did your original script have you visiting?
2: So this is hilarious. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and if you interview anybody else from the movie, uh, they will probably make fun of me for this. So because I didn't know where we were filming, mm-hmm. in the original script... It was very vaguely Europe. I had okay. written it while I was on a trip to France. Okay. So I had written it with France in mind. But in the script, the shooting script, on set, it literally said location one, location two, <laughs> oh location three. Really? So there would be lines of dialogue that would be like, remember when we were in location one? Oh <laughs> you know, Or like... <laughs> We're going to location three now. Like it was, they would actually say that because they had to be placeholders for where we would go, and I had to be able to explain to the governments, "This is how we're going to." This is your location. Your location.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I bet they were very excited about that.
2: They were very confused by it at first. I had to like show on a map and like explain, like, "Here's the scenes that'll take place." I actually used Google Earth. To Location Scout. Okay. So I would show them screen grabs of where I wanted to film. Mm -hmm. And they would be like, okay, but what about this? Is this similar enough? And we'd go back and forth and then they'd tell me where we could film the scene.
1: Awesome. You've been directing a lot of these projects that you've been acting in. Yes. Do you want to explore just directing on a set or do you also want to kind of have those dual roles all the time?
2: I would, it is, wearing that many hats is, makes you a little bit schizophrenic. Okay. Um, (laughs) It is its own challenge. I think that it's mostly out of necessity that I wear so many hats Hmm. because it takes so much communication and time exponentially to loop a new person into into a creative vision. It's why on projects like most Pemberley projects, there's a very small, intimate core team, is just we don't have the time and resources to suddenly now have, you know, a a really strong director is going to take 10% of the budget and is going to need their own four-month prep and is going to then need to bring their own crew, their own team, their own needs to a project. Mm -hmm. Um, I love directing. um, And I find that when I'm acting in a scene, I'm so intimately involved that I can really give specific notes Because I'm literally watching the person. I'm not sitting there on a monitor seeing it. I'm actually seeing what's happening in their eyeballs. Um, So I can give really specific notes. So I love that. I would love to direct completely independently. I have ghost directed a few things um, where I've kind of helped people who wanted to champion their own project kind of Mm -hmm. know the ins and outs. And on set kind of kept an eye out for, hey, in the editing room, I know you're going to get stuck with this. So do it this way just in case. But I would absolutely love to direct, um, just kind of champion a project. Um, That'd be that awesome. I really would, and I think that would be, yeah.
1: I mean, watching the movie, we see so many Pemberley Digital alum pop out. We have, like, so many cameos. How did the casting of that work?
2: So the casting of the project worked by me, first off, reaching out to everybody that I've wanted to work with or have worked with over the last five to ten years. Okay. So, again, this kind of small universe of I introduced Julia to Bernie right. at South by Southwest— so, Jessica Andres, uh, who's our flight attendant and yes. who is beloved in the Lizzie Bennett world.
1: And so, Emma. And, and Emma, Emma. That's right.
2: She's the one crossover character there. Yes. Uh, Jessica and I went to NYU together.
1: Oh, wow. My
2: very first directing, quote unquote, I assistant directed the Laramie Project in New York. And it was the very okay. first time I'd ever directed, quote unquote, mm-hmm. anything. Jessica was in that. That's um, awesome. So, I've known Jessica <laughs> for a really long time. You know, Ashley, obviously, I knew from the Pembroke universe, but then we did Muzzled together.
1: All right, So
2: yes. by working with her on Muzzled, I actually sent her this script because she's from San Francisco and we talked about it. Got it. I sent her the script a very, very early on in the process. And it was so funny because she wrote me back. Clearly very excited, but at the same like, oh, this is great. But also with like notes. Yeah. <laughs> she was
1: like, "Have yeah. you thought about it?" And I
2: was like, "Oh, we're like okay, we're like we're workshopping doing <laughs> Cool, cool. Um,
1: Thank you for the advice.
2: <laughs> you know, and then you know, folks. Obviously, I'm trying to go through like everybody. Um, you know, Daniel, I've known mostly, I think, yes, from the world of Pemberley. But mm-hmm. because Julia has her theater company. And yes. Daniel and I have both done plays with Artist at Play. Yes. So I've actually gone and seen his work at Artist at Play, and he's Aww. come and seen my work at Artist at Play. So we kind of have this like man crush, talent crush on Aww. each other of like support Because we're both, I think, we're both leading ish men that actually prefer to play characters. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like he does brilliant character work. He truly disappears into, into his characters. And so. I think that we both kind of have an eye on each other, like, okay, okay, I see you, I see you, cool, cool. You know, it's yeah. kind of like at NYU, there was like maybe 10 guys that would go out for the same main stage shows all the time. Mm-hmm. And we all knew each other, and we were like, one of us is getting it. Yeah. It's going to be one of these 10 guys. And everyone's just kind of like, okay, you got the last one. Okay, you, all right, all right, I see you, I see you, I see you, okay, I think this one's mine. Um, so, and then Eamon, for example, who's our TSA guy, Eamon uh, is a professional actor from huge movies like the Expendables. I volunteer an intern for this casting director named Deborah Dion, who does huge movies. And Deborah cast our movie as again kind of a favor wow. uh, to say thank you for all the work I've done. But Amon's one of those actors that comes in for her all the time. And the very first time he came in, he did this beautiful like he was going back and forth between accents and like languages and crying like like just the full actor's transformation and he comes out of it and he's done with the the audition scene and he's leaving and he goes by the way i really like squatters
0: oh, and wow. i was like what are you <laughs> yeah wow. and he's
2: like he's like yeah man i checked that out he's like it's like the real new york you did a really good job wow. and i was like that's incredible like this professional actor just came in and just loved on my little web show uh, after he just did like Oscar worthy work. So i someone I've always kind of kept in my back pocket as someone I want to work with. And when it came to, I think the one person that I didn't know um, in this process was Shauna Malcolm. And yeah. Shauna is somebody who, when I wrote the role, I wrote it for Melissa McCarthy.
1: Okay. Like that, that, that role
2: was written yeah. for a Melissa McCarthy type actress. And... When, I, when we were casting, you know, we put out a breakdown, you get a bunch of submissions, and you weed through all the submissions. Well, Shauna's submission was laugh out loud. I mean, she was so funny. Her channel was incredible. But she bills herself as wanting to be a Melissa McCarthy. Ooh. So that immediately pinged for me as like, I think she's the right person. And you get excited about people because you're like, if they come in. All they have to do is be what I think they're going to be, yeah. and, and and this is over. Like, I'll give it to them in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes people come in, they don't bring it, and you're like, no! <laughs> and then other times they come in and you're like, yep, and we're done. We're yeah. done. That's great. So Shauna was Shauna was that. She came in, she nailed it. We were peeing and laughing and crying <laughs> all at the same time. And um, there was no question that that she was the right person for Marcy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Katie Wee came to us via Ashley. Okay. Um, I think they go to Wesley Kahn together, uh, the acting studio. Oh, okay, um, they it. study there, and Ashley uh, teaches there. I believe she recommended Katie for the table read, um, and it was one of those things where you're like, you just want your friend to be in the reading, sure. whatever. <laughs> um, fine, <laughs> and then and then Katie shows up, and you're like, oh no, 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 you found the exact right person to play this role. Awesome, that's great.
0: So we have another Twitter question. Oh, Emmy X. Hey, Emmy X. She says, any crazy stories from filming abroad for non-transferable?
2: A million crazy stories.
0: We know the drone broke. What else? Okay, the drone
2: broke. Uh, that was a big day. <laughs> um, every single day in Turkey was such an adventure. Like, I could write a book on each day um, because it was a wild experience. I never. I don't think I ever truly thought through what it was we were doing. I had randomly contacted strangers on the other side of the world right. to host a film crew, sight unseen. To make an entire movie in basically like two and a half, three weeks. It's a lot of trust. Which yeah. is a <laughs> lot of trust. And that includes travel. Yes. Um, and so we showed up like the first night. And it's like two in the morning. We've mm-hmm. been flying all day. One of the bags, obviously, you know, because this is what happens, gets lost. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting around at an airport waiting for one bag to show up. And meanwhile, the crew's going to have to get up in the morning. So we just go, you know what, just go. Just go. Like, let's get everybody to where we're staying tonight so we can all get some rest and wake up and shoot tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the one of the hosts that had met us at the airport was just going to stay behind and get the last bag whenever it came in. So we mm-hmm. all drive in this huge sprinter van, which is, are those like tour vans that mm-hmm. have like 20 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're in this huge clunky van, driving for like an hour away from where we landed. Because mm-hmm. we flew into Istanbul, then we flew to Izmir, which is a smaller city on the coast. Then we drive an hour out of Izmir, and then we pull off of the main road onto a gravel road and start going down this windy narrow road that doesn't even fit the full length of the van and like trees or <laughs> yes and I literally in that moment I went oh no I sold this into slavery oh. I didn't I, I didn't think about this at all I'm so sorry and I it just occurred to me at that moment I don't know who these people are I don't know where yeah. we're going I don't know what we're doing um, and I'm responsible for the lives of six other people oh my
1: God be fine everyone. it'll be fine, fine. so
2: like <laughs> i just kind of sat there and I was, I was breathing heavily and i was like you can't everyone's looking at you <laughs> oh, you have no. to pretend that this is totally what the plan was, this was yeah, exactly, and just go along with it oh, man. and we get down this windy road and we land and the door opens and i hear this voice that i've been skyping with mm. for the last you know three months and uh this woman named esra uh, and she comes out and gives me a big hug, and I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> all right, we're, we're safe for tonight. We're safe for tonight. We, <laughs> we load everything into this odd, like, villa, but it's, mm. it's all covered in plastic because it's the off-season and it's winter oh. for them, so yeah. it, it's to keep the heat in, mm. you know, and we can't really tell where everything's dark and can't tell where anything is, and so we all kind of get settled in different rooms, and again, we're spread out over this compound, and I'm sitting there in bed going like, Is everyone okay? (laughs) Are they getting sold into slavery? What's happening? I'm okay. I'm okay (laughs) right now. We get some rest. We wake up in the morning and everyone walks out. Basically all the little rooms face this walkway that's open to what was kind of darkness. You walk out in the morning and it's the Aegean Sea. Wow. We are on the sea, like in this private villa Mm -hmm. on the coast And everyone's just kind of like beaming over breakfast (laughs) and like, oh, oh, this is good. We're okay with this. This is cool.
0: It's scary last night, Um, but it's better in the last And we had this like,
2: you know, Turkish breakfast, uh, you know, that was like, you know, prepared lovingly at home Mm. every day. It was like being in a a and b and like the best coffee we had the entire trip was made in this house, you know, by the woman that lived in this house, that experience of, of expectations of waking up and being floored by and kind of setting what the tone of what this was going to be was yeah we were basically getting treated to a five-star vacation to make a movie for free, which, for free, <laughs> which was incredible four days later we're leaving the villa to go to the next location and somebody makes a mention of the cold water in the showers they're like well i, I took a quick sh-, you know like don't worry i I think someone's like, I have to take a shower. And we're like, "We'll be quick. And he's like, well, am not going to take a long time. I mean, it's freezing. And Aww. the woman goes, wait, why is it cold? Did you not turn on the heat? None of us had wanted to mention that oh, we were taking cold showers because we don't want to be ungrateful right. Americans that were like, why is there no hot water? Like We thought like, hey, this is the experience. We're just grateful. Yeah. We trust it. So the whole time... We'd been not saying anything when all they had to do was turn on the hot water heater Aww. because it was the off season, so yeah. it was turned off.
1: Okay. So
2: this is just a fun ex- example of like cultural differences of like our archaic, stupid understanding. <laughs> we're in a five star villa on the coast of the Aegean Sea and we don't think to ask to turn the hot water on when meanwhile they're going like, stupid Americans, right? <laughs> why are they taking cold showers? <laughs>
0: That's so funny. How long were you there for? We were
2: there for two and a half weeks.
0: Wow. So you like basically filmed? Every day. Yeah, like most of the Every movie. Every single day.
2: Yeah, we wow. from most of the movie over there.
0: Was there like one day where you almost like broke down? It was so Every hard. single <laughs> Every day. Single
2: Every day. single <laughs> day. Well, so the, the biggest thing that I learned, and this isn't to in any way be disparaging, but the way you do business in Los Angeles versus the way you do business in Turkey are so wildly different. And that's just a cultural yeah. difference. So in Los Angeles, everyone tells you no. It's yes. a city okay. of rejection. You, yeah. you hear a lot of no's, and eventually you'll hear a maybe, and then eventually you'll get a yes. Uh, but it's a very long, slow process to basically get to yes. In Turkey, everyone says yes. Wow. Okay. Right in front of the of course, of course. <laughs> and then they start negotiating. Interesting. So you show up, and things that were totally, you thought were set in stone, because you got a yes, and you had yeah. an of course, are now up for a little negotiation.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: So every day after we filmed, I would then have to prepare the next day by talking about the location and who was going to come and who was involved and our host. And I was renegotiating our deal every single night.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: To like just make sure everybody got what they wanted. Uh Right. You know, because the other thing is the evolution of everyone understanding what we were doing. We would show up at locations where they didn't actually have things that they said they were going to have. Um, because that was an old website that I saw or an old picture that I saw that doesn't okay. actually exist anymore. Were the yeah.
0: ruins still there? So, oh yeah, the ruins, oh
2: yeah, the ruins were totally still there. Um, but, <laughs> they they thems- but they themselves are being adapted all the time and changed all the time yeah. because those are re- restoration projects. Right. So for example, the fountain, which is my favorite thing that I found, that about a month before we went was covered in scaffolds. And had we gotten there and it right. been covered in scaffolding, game over. Right. You know, like we're gonna shoot some scaffolding. <laughs> but instead, we got to shoot this epic-looking fountain yeah. that's been completely restored. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
1: had the scaffolding been there, it'd be like, it's a metaphor. Exactly, we're exactly. building a relationship, right, right. We're restoring our relationship.
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna hire you <laughs> next time I need to explain anything exactly. to a studio. <laughs> that's so
0: funny. Did Ashley actually, actually drink that water?
2: She did not drink that water. A lot of the crew did, and it is great water. Okay. Um, but this is true with any movie any food, any liquid, you just don't mess around with it. Because the one time that you think this is totally safe and totally fine and it's not a big deal is going to be the one time that for whatever reason it was in the sun too long or yeah. it got cross contaminated or something, and then the person is sick and then you can't film. <laughs> um, you know, like for example, me staying up till three or four in the morning negotiating, I lost my voice.
0: For oh. how long? So
2: by the time we got to Istanbul, for the entire time we were there, which was about, I think, f- three days of filming in Istanbul, mm-hmm. I had no voice.
0: So did you just mouth all of your lines? I and then squeaked re-replay? through
2: all the scenes like this. Oh, my God. And this was me speaking at, like, full volume. Oh, my God. And wow. I did press interviews that way. I met newspapers that way. I, I did uh, agreements and contracts that way with, like, lawyers and with uh, sponsors. Oh my God and we shot all the scenes in Istanbul that way. So I had to ADR every line wow. in the movie so when we're in Istanbul.
0: Fun. Wow. It's like <laughs> so everything that could go wrong, w- goes did wrong. go wrong.
2: So like for example, Ashley eating things, I was like she is not just going to eat whatever or drink whatever. <laughs> it's fake. It's all going to be it's all going to be smashed bananas and <laughs> bottled water. That's
0: it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. That's true. Did you sleep at all? No. Oh my God. No, I didn't. I, feel like that didn't I still happen. haven't. <laughs> we'll sleep now that it's out because it's a good movie. Well, there's still
2: work to be done.
0: What work is there to be done?
2: Well, so I, I don't I don't know if I should vent about this. Again, I feel like <laughs> I've, I've probably taken up way too much of your time on this oh. podcast. Your, your listeners are going to just be like, this is the longest thing I've ever listened to. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so Amazon had an internal error. On the second day we were out. should
0: preface by saying, like, this was supposed to come out Valentine's Day of last year.
2: Well, says who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
2: all I, I said was Valentine's Day. I... It just happened to be 2016 when I said it.
0: Was it originally <laughs> going to be on <laughs> video or
2: something? Yes, yeah, so originally what happened is we were going to come out through a different distributor. And we were going to come out in a totally indie, the way we I've released content in the past. A total yeah. digital release. And then because of the success of this movie called Laser Team from Rooster Teeth,
1: yeah. mm-hmm.
2: um, that movie suddenly made people get very excited about influencer movies or digital, digital yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. And so we got approached by two people from very fancy studios, <laughs> who I won't mention their names. There's only
0: like five studios. Exactly. But two of the five <laughs> right. um,
2: who basically said, hey, 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 hold off. Don't do this yourselves if we get involved and we shop it around for you, you could actually get, and they started throwing out ridiculous numbers and I should have been smarter and I should have said, no, like that's that, those are made up integers. <laughs> that's
1: not but, a
2: real
0: number. <laughs> but when
2: you hear numbers like that, it's not necessarily about like, I'm going to be rich. It's legitimately going, oh my gosh, we can make another one.
0: Mm-hmm. You yep. know, you yeah. guys
2: know from Kickstarter and Indiegogo, the biggest challenge is getting the money to make the next project Mm -hmm. and when you start hearing oh my gosh with one sale with one check if I just wait if I just wait a month we can make the next one Mm -hmm. and I can call everybody and say we're going back you know we're going to Ireland this time or Mm -hmm. whatever it is and so my desire to make more content got in the way of me pushing this one to the finish line Mm -hmm. Um, and so I took the gamble I held off They did make good on what they said. We got a distributor um, that was very interested and was going to buy the movie outright. um, And that was all going very, very positively. um, And it would have done kind of a worldwide, especially television release Mm -hmm. on a very notable thing. Um, And then the coup in Turkey happened. (gasps) And the way most distributors make their money is from foreign sales. So... As soon as there's a national crisis happening in the country that the movie is based in, Mm -hmm. the foreign markets go, we're just not sure right now. Come back to us when we know what's happening with the climate Mm -hmm. because they don't want, and this is true, you know, this movie is a celebration and a love letter to Turkey. Mm -hmm. However, anybody could take it the wrong way or could say by promoting this movie, you're Promoting Turkey, which this is allied with this country and war against that country. I mean, there's a whole global geopolitical thing happening that has nothing to do with movies um, and is much more important than movies. And so the distributor then backed off because they didn't want to release a movie that might cause any political backlash. Mm -hmm. And so that's June. So we then (laughs) lost our distributor. We then found another distributor. Uh, who wanted to do a theatrical release. Okay. Who wanted the movie to be in theaters. Sure. Who doesn't want the movie in theaters. That sounds exciting. Well, I'm going to throw my union under the bus <laughs> because my I did everything by the book so that if by chance we needed to upgrade to a theatrical contract, uh, I wouldn't owe anybody any money. I basically right. paid everybody the right amount up front mm-hmm. to cover my bases. And I'd done the contracts in a way that they could be a little fluid. Now we do owe residuals and we'd owe... Stuff like that. But everyone had been taken care of. Except, you know, the lead guy in the movie. Who didn't get paid anything. Because he cast himself in a movie. And so my union wanted me to pay myself. And pay penalties on the fact that I hadn't previously paid myself. And pay residuals to myself. All which I lose money on. Because by paying yourself something through a third party, you actually lose money. So I was like, "Wait, can't we work something out because it's me? <laughs> yeah, like,
1: I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need to
2: pay me. I yeah. don't understand. They wouldn't budge. They wouldn't do wow. it. They thought it would create too much of a a precedent and a problem that they if they can't make allowances for some movies and not other movies. And so we could not distribute theatrically. Hmm. And so that's August, September. Okay. Those people didn't want to be involved. Hmm. So again, you just you'd see me pulling hair out and just being like." <laughs> Why didn't we just put it on Vimeo? (laughs) Um, So then we found Lightning Entertainment. And Lightning Entertainment immediately understood what was happening, immediately understood the value of the movie, immediately understood the foreign market, immediately understood the digital market. And they had this new proprietary technology, the SWIG, that -hmm. would allow it to be embedded within social media. And so they immediately said, yes, we want this, let's do it. And on a handshake, they took it to the American film market in November. And they sold it in France and a handful of other countries. It's awesome. And so, yeah. from that, we began a conversation to basically gear us for a Valentine's Day release. Great. And here we are. Great. So really, you know, Valentine's Day is just Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> it's a. Day. But yes, it has been. Wow. It has been more work uh, to release the movie than it was to make the movie. Uh-huh. And I could not be more excited to finally release the movie yeah. and get back to, you know, the easy part, which is <laughs> making the darn thing.
0: Oh my gosh. That's an- you have had quite the year. Yes. Quite the, like, five or six years or whatever. Yeah. So what's next?
2: What is next? That's a great question. I um, sound like
0: everyone you've ever talked to next? in Hollywood. Yeah, well, so I, I,
2: I, I'm still an actor in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. so I do Staples commercials. Um, yes. I also do some voiceover stuff mm-hmm. from time to time for different things. Um, I have a episode of a... There's a new show called Doubt on CBS Mm -hmm. that I play a role on in... I think the first week in May will be my episode. Mm. Um, And then I'm auditioning for things all the time. And then when it comes to my own projects, there's a couple scripts that I'm looking at. They're all really based on the success of Non-Transferable, which is why I'm pushing it so hard. Um, Because one of two things is true. Either the movie's going to do really, really well in a kind of commercial, transactional way, like... A lot of people bought it. Hooray. Like the money (laughs) side, which means other money will show up to finance the next project that I want to do. Because it
1: doesn't, in a little bit of a, non-transferable, it's a little bit of a cliffhanger. Yes. Would would you hope to make a second one?
2: So we always wanted to allow the possibility to make a second one. Okay. Um, It would really take a sponsor like turkey showing up again Mm -hmm. to make now i already know what would happen i've already (laughs) mapped out what that movie would look like and i'm pretty excited about it um but i i think that we would not do it without everything in place to basically i I don't want to do any of the hard part again i I just want to make the movie knowing that this is where it's going to be released this is when it's going to come out this is how it's going to come out this is who's involved Mm -hmm. this is what the budget is you know, and it's basically plug and play so that we can really yeah. just focus on having fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Good. Speaking of projects coming up. Yes. You were in a photo that went, on, it was tweeted out, on January 24th at 7.33 a.m. This is very specific. It's very specific. We did our I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you're on the Pemberley podcast, not the original amateur hour. That's true, that's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> um... The Lizzie Bennet Wedding. Yeah, you were in a photo with I was. Will Wheaton and assorted other cast members. I was in a script written by Ashley Clements. I was. ...who you know? I do. Um, <laughs> what can you tell us about that? Don't what? stop talking now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> You're, all right, you've been mouthing
2: off for an hour. You don't get to hold back now, Mister. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that through the process of making non-transferable, um. Ashley, who co-produced the movie with me, which is what you have to do to get anybody to come internationally with (laughs) you um, for practically no monies, she started articulating that she wanted to write, uh, to start writing, that she had a couple ideas. Um, And I really encouraged her. I was like, well, you know, look, I can do it. So clearly (laughs) it's possible. Um, And she, to her credit, Turned this thing out. Like, so next thing I knew, she sent me a copy of this thing. How
0: long wow. did it take?
2: Um, I don't know exactly how long she was writing, but I think maybe three or four months. Wow. She actually, like, went from being like, I think I want to write something, to mm-hmm. then, like, sending me a script and saying, what are your thoughts on this? Um, it's so structurally sound. It is hmm. such fan service. Um, what's so cool is I'm totally guilty in that I watched the original show, but I did not read the books. Okay. And I, there's a lot of stuff that she references in that is apparently now part of canon
1: from the books yeah. and from
2: the universe around the universe. Yeah. So I think that's really cool that she's really given the one percenters of the folks that are really invested in this in yeah. this universe. But she then asked if I'd be involved in this reading. And I got to read stage corrections, you guys. Like super <gasps> oh. super fancy. So awesome. Super fancy. Um but yeah, basically, when it, when it comes to, I'm, again, the, the old school web model and web community is you do favors for each other. You collab with each other. We're all in together to make the best content and to support each other's careers and all ships rise. So Ashley, marathon non-transferable for me. She has been a part of this two-year journey. So any script she wants my help on in any capacity, I'm down.
1: Let's ask some of
0: our staggerer Twitter questions. Yeah, yeah. Let's
2: let's go for a marathon session. I'll I'll try to not <laughs> be so verbal.
1: Uh, we have Ash Sue who asked if you could be anyone in the Pemberley universe, who would it be? Wow.
2: That's oh, anyone you know you, in the Pemberley
1: universe? In Pemberley Digital, probably. Pemberley but, Digital. But uh,
0: does
2: it have to be okay? Because I was gonna say. Um,
0: so prime. So Lizzie Bennett. Lizzie Bennett. Emma. Emma Sanderton. Frankenstein MD. I know you don't want to mess with casting. Yeah, in our little fantasy. I don't know.
2: Well, then, then in that case, I would say I would revert to your previous question and say I would have loved to have directed.
0: Interesting. (gasps) I I would have
2: really loved to have been involved in the original um, creation of the universe
1: Hmm. uh, and
2: establishing the visual vocabulary. Of that universe.
0: Yeah, um, direct Ashley's movie. <laughs> I will be,
2: hey, from your wits.
0: <laughs> do you hear that? You hear that universe? God, cool. That was kind of it. Well, that's Bradley. awesome, you guys. Yeah, this was so was
2: fun. Thank you for letting me just talk your ears off. Yeah, no, we
0: pumped you. you for information. That's why we asked. you. Yeah, but I think I gave
2: way too much.
0: <laughs> way you know, too much. Better to give more than less. That's true.
2: Yes. Um, I'm trying to. I'm. Scrolling through my feed real fast. Okay. Um, Jillian Brownlee did ask, so does Brendan A. Bradley actually speak any Turkish? Inquiring minds want to know. Hmm. Um, And I will say that I speak a minimal amount of Turkish because I had to learn Turkish to He's, talk to yes. people on the phone.
1: Oh, okay. When I was
2: negotiating the deals. What's
0: the phrase you had to use a lot? Uh
2: well, uh <laughs> Bisbeer Comedy Filmy is we're making a comedy movie. Got which it. is how you tell people, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> like please leave us alone. Um but one of the best expressions that I learned um is when you're on the phone with someone, you know, with international connections, people don't always know you're there. So an assuring way to let folks know, I noticed conversations with other people how people would kind of let them know i'm still on the line i'm still on the line is they'd say okay
1: mm-hmm. and they say
2: to mom to mom to mom and just as you're like hearing something and, and agreeing to it you're saying to mom and so i started imitating that and doing that yeah and they would always then laugh because they'd be like this american is saying <laughs> is saying to to me and then to be is of course oh, t- and then bro or brother is abby so if you want to say, of course, bro, it's tabi abi. <laughs>
0: love <laughs> it.
2: Very fun. And then our crew was was learning, um, was asking for inappropriate phrases the whole time we were over there. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so one one thing they were very excited about was "come at me, bro," which is benigel abi. Benigel
0: abi.
2: <laughs> uh, and then um, "cool story, bro" <laughs> is guzel scenario abi.
0: Scenario, got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're learning Turkish too now. But
2: I will, I will tell you the most important Turkish word, uh, which is to say thank you for having me on your podcast, oh. and thank you for being such a supportive presence in my first movie. Is teşekkür. Oh.
1: So how to say you're welcome? Teşekkür. <laughs> you're welcome in Turkish. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: insert
1: in all languages. We'll, re- we'll, re-
2: we'll pre-record it in the promo yes. and at the <laughs> outro.
1: <laughs> so it'll be like. <laughs> yeah. Well, say it, well thank you again. And Non-Transferable <laughs> yeah. is out on Amazon, so everyone should go watch yes. it. Yes,
2: and yeah. if you are international and can't watch it on Amazon, right now we have what is called a swigget or an e-ticket, which should allow you to watch the movie natively from anywhere in the world by going to eticket.nontransferablefilm.com. And as a shortcut for Amazon, it's amazon.nontransferablefilm.com. Cool. Perfect. And please leave reviews because that's how movies get discovered. That's how we get more popular. That's how new eyeballs come to the film. So mm-hmm. on Amazon, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Facebook, please leave those five-star reviews because by doing that, we will actually, the algorithm, the little robots mm-hmm. will get confused and they'll go, oh, this movie's popular. And it'll put it on the front page and promote us to other people.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Sounds great. Well, thank you again. Thank, thank you guys. You so much. This is awesome. Yeah. That wraps it up for this episode. Check out our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Pemberley. And if you'd like to talk to us directly or have any questions, email us at the Podcast at gmail.com.
0: And to support the podcast, donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash The Pemberley, or leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people to find this podcast. You can find links to all of these pages on our WordPress page, thepemberleypodcast.wordpress.com, where we also include links to anything we mentioned on the show.
1: And again, to find non-transferable, you can go to eticket.nontransferablefilm.com or amazon.nontransferablefilm.com to enjoy the adorableness of this movie. The adorbs! Thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye!